Amen. All right. Let's take our Bibles, if you would, please, and go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one, where we'll be at this evening. I've uh, been preaching through uh, Back to the Basics uh, as we've gone through different topics, different things that God has uh, put in my heart to preach on. And uh, this week, as I've been praying, asking the Lord which direction uh, He'd have me to go, uh, He put on my heart the book of Acts. And so starting tonight, we'll be going ch uh, chapter by chapter through the book of Acts on Wednesday nights, and hopefully it'll be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Uh, it has been to me as I've been studying through this already. Uh, last week, we were speaking on uh, my job and my employer, how our job can be a ministry, and uh, we need to look at it as such. But in Acts chapter number 1, where we'll be tonight, I'm going to read several verses for you. I would invite you to stand with me quickly, just out of respect for the Word of God this evening. Acts chapter number 1. Start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his uh, passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the season which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. I'm not going to read any further. We are going to touch on some other things, but I'm going to preach a message to you tonight out of that verse number 8, but we're going to go down through the, the key phrase or title of it tonight is found in verse 8, but ye shall receive power, that phrase. I'm going to preach to you on this, the foundation for Holy Spirit power. The foundation for Holy Spirit power. Let's pray, Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the time we have to be in your house tonight. Lord, I ask you to use me as your mouthpiece this evening. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you'll be highly exalted this evening. Lord, my heart is heavy over our country and the direction that it has turned away from you. And Lord, I'm burdened for a revival. But Lord, the only way that can come is if your people will humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked way. Lord, I believe that's the only way that we'll see you here from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. Lord, may you start with Faith Baptist Church, God, please, in this area. Would you stir up in our hearts a desire to be filled with the Spirit of God? Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. 
As I was going down through this, we're going to be setting the stage for the power of the Holy Spirit upon our life or how to build on the foundation or stand on uh, the foundation of Holy Spirit's power. As I was reading through uh, the book of Acts here in my own personal studies, just going down through different things, God began to impress upon my heart, I believe the biggest need in our society and in our nation today is God's people to be filled with His power. I believe that's the biggest need that we have. I believe that the reason that people aren't being saved, that uh, lives aren't being changed, that people aren't being discipled, things like this, is because we are not spirit-filled people. We need to be spirit-filled. We have, uh, we say that we're saved, we say that we desire to see God do a work, but yet we don't desire the spirit-filling that comes uh, what we have access to, and I'm going to share with you a little bit how to have that filling of the Holy Spirit tonight. You understand that the power of God through the Holy Spirit of God can be uh, used in our life, and we are just as a, I like to explain it as an extension cord, as we plug into the power of God, we can be used to transfer the power of God to something else. And so to be filled with the Spirit, we got the Holy Spirit when we got saved. You understand? We, we talked about that in our Back to the Basics and Growing. When we got saved, the Holy Spirit indwells inside of us. You got as much of the Holy Spirit as you're ever going to get the day you got saved. But to be filled with the Spirit of God doesn't mean that you just have it for yourself and nobody else gets it. To be filled with the Spirit of God means that Spirit that's inside of you is overflowing where other people get to experience the Holy Spirit as well. And as we're going down through this, I believe God places everything in the Bible on purpose. We know in chapter 2, which we'll get there next week, we'll talk about that. But in chapter 2 is one of the most famous times in the book of Acts where you hear about Pentecost. And uh, how thousands of people were saved. And I'm not going to get into that much right now. But there was something that prefaced that big revival that took place in chapter number 2. God, uh, Jesus Christ, after his death, is now for 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God. It says it here in verse number 3. It said, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them. 40 days and speaking of them pertaining to the kingdom of God. After he had rose from the grave, he's walking uh, on the earth there and he's teaching them, hey, there's some things I'm about to ascend up to my father. I'm about to be gone from you. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. You know, I'm going to send the comforter to to comfort you, but I'm going to be gone. And I want you to understand there's some things you need to carry on. There's some things you need to do because in just a few days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. He said, there's some things, and he tells them to tarry in Jerusalem. You got to wait here in Jerusalem in order for something to take place in their life when I'm gone. He said, in order for for this thing that I'm about to do to take place in your life when I'm gone, you need to follow the instructions that I give you. And you know, God gives us some basic instructions in the Bible. I heard somebody say, if you take the letters of the Bible, it's basic instructions before leaving earth. You know, and God gives us some instructions. And that's through the pages of his word. I had an opportunity to talk today to an insurance guy about the things of God and was going down through uh, some verses that he was confused on. Uh, He was asking me some questions. I was able to share things with him. You know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. 
We're supposed to be telling people what the Bible says. But he's going down through and he's telling these disciples and uh, the church uh, of uh, people say, well, you know, the church was established in the book of Acts. Well, I believe uh, what the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them, that a church is made up of, of people that are gathering together to worship the Lord, right? Save people. And if you remember in Matthew, when he walked upon the shore of Galilee, what did he do? He called men unto himself. Oh, that, and he had church with those disciples, didn't he? He was teaching them what it was about. But now the authority is about to be transferred. Now, Jesus isn't there to do all of this. He's saying, I'm leaving and you have to carry on with the same power and the same things that have been going on throughout all this time. I'm about to be gone, but the Comforter's coming. And he tells them, you're going to be filled with the Spirit, but I need you to tarry here in Jerusalem. And he gives them some instructions about what they need to do. And you know, before we're able to take the gospel to other places... We have to be where God wants us to be in order to get filled with the Spirit of God. There's a lot of people that think, well, you say, what do you mean before I'm able to take the gospel? Listen, the Bible said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But I wonder how many more people would be saved if we had Spirit-filled people taking the gospel. People that are actually full of the Spirit of God. And they're taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that power that's out there, the power of the gospel with people that are endued with power from the Holy Spirit. Isn't it something you say, well, preacher, I don't, I don't think that really we have to be filled with the Spirit to give the gospel. You don't. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll pierce somebody's heart just because it's powerful. But imagine what God would do with a group of people that were filled with the Spirit of God who began to do the work that God told them to do. I believe Pentecost could happen again. I believe it with all my heart. I've heard people say, Brother Ron, I don't think we'll ever see revival take place in America again. To me, they're saying God's not capable. That's what they're saying. But I really believe, it's, I don't think it's a lack of faith in God necessarily. Sometimes I think there's some well-meaning people and they're skeptical about our faith in God and what God's able to do. They don't have faith in the church people, as you would say. But the fact of the matter is we have access to the power of God. And as I was going down through this for 40 days, he's teaching them and communicating with them. And he's telling them, listen, I want you to carry out some things as I've been teaching you throughout these three and a half years, as I had my earthly ministry, before I was crucified, before all of that, before I was buried and rose again, I was teaching you what the church is supposed to do. He said, now I'm leaving and I need you to tarry here in Jerusalem because in just a few days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And I began to ask the question, well, why did they have to wait right there? Why, why couldn't he pour it out wherever they were? And what it was a picture, I believe there's some things that we need to understand. God was trying to teach them through all of this. And some areas, things that they did in order to prepare themselves for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because you understand, though we're saved, this didn't mean that they were waiting to be saved. They got saved when they trusted Christ. When they put their faith and trust in Him. But he's talking about having the power, having that authority, having that, uh, the, the Lord, just his power being with them as they're serving and as they're doing things. You know, people can serve without having the power of God. There's people all along, all across our country that are going through motions with no power. There's preachers that are getting up behind pulpits that are preaching with no power. There's Sunday school teachers that are getting up and teaching with no power. 
There are people that are going throughout, they're going out soul winning with no power other than just giving the the gospel. And listen, I know the gospel has power, but we as individuals, children of God, need to be endued with power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We ought not to be afraid of the term Holy Ghost. We ought not to be afraid of it. Uh, People say, well, you shouldn't say ghost in church. The Bible says Holy Ghost, so we need to say Holy Ghost. Listen, he's not some spook that we can't talk about. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. You understand that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This was God's promise to never leave us nor forsake us. He's there with us to comfort us and guide us and give us strength along the way. That's where the power comes from. See, the Holy Ghost one breathes upon this book as we read it. And gives the power behind it. The Word of God. But I was going down through and I was reading. I'm going to read a little further than verse number 8. It says in verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, and where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotus and Judas and brother, J- brother of James. These all called with one accord and These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number number of the names together were about an hundred and twenty. See, a hundred and twenty people now are gathered in a room. It said, with one accord in prayer and supplication. Can you imagine 120 Baptists being in a room together all in one accord in prayer and supplication? Not fighting, not bickering about things, not caring about what color the carpet is, not caring about uh, how how many, uh, if somebody patted them on the back for this. They were all in one accord in prayer and supplication, the Bible says. Verse 16, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake, before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his boughs gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in the proper tongue uh, Akladama, which is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore, of these men, which have, uh, which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed to Joseph called Barabbas and surnamed Justice and Matthias. And he prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, 
show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may be uh, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place and they gave forth their lots and the lots fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles now in this passage the it seems kind of odd that very next chapter is talking about the day of Pentecost. It's going through all of this things, and the Lord's telling them, Jesus told both of them, he said, I want you to tarry here in Jerusalem. Don't leave. I want you to stay here because I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm about to uh, endue you with power of the Holy Ghost, but you need to tarry here in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to bear with me because we're going somewhere with this, and I want you to see some things uh, about this. If a New Testament church that we have here today is going to have authority, it needs to have the power of the Holy Spirit upon it. You say, what are you talking about? If we're going to have authority uh, over this book, meaning what do you mean? By taking this book and preaching it and having full authority uh, to preach it, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. I believe the Bible does things that you and I cannot do. But I also believe that God does things with the Bible that are miraculous when somebody who's preaching that or teaching it is filled with the Spirit of God. I believe with all my heart that God does things. And that's why you find in chapter 2 what God does because there were some people that wanted the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, Jesus gave them some instructions. He told them there's a certain place that you need to be if you're going to be filled with the Spirit of God. He said, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. Don't leave. Stay there. Why? Because I'm about to pour out my spirit, that comforter that I told you I was going to, I'm about to send him to you. And he's going to endue you with power as long as you're where I told you to be. As long as you're doing what I told you to do. And I believe he does the same thing today. God says there's some certain things that we need to do, some th places we need to be if we're going to have the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, if you're not in your Bible daily, you can't be filled with the Spirit of God. If you're not praying daily, you can't be filled with the Spirit of God. There's some things that we need to look at in this passage that happen because we have to have the power. You understand, we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Every person in this room, if you're a child of God, if you're saved, blood-bought child of God tonight, you can be filled with the Spirit of God. You can have that. I prayed during the prayer tonight that Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, where God says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, he said, Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You understand it takes humility first to be filled with the Spirit of God. You've got to be humble. What's that mean? Dying to self. We can't allow the flesh to rule if the Spirit's going to rule. If we want the Spirit to rule, the flesh has to be crucified daily. That means that we have to tell ourselves, no. When Paul said, I die daily, what he's saying is this flesh that, that is my biggest enemy is the one I have to say no to and yield to the leadership of God. And that's what we have to do on a daily basis if we want to be filled with the Spirit of God. First, we need to humble ourselves in the sight of God. We need to be humble servants of him. You know why I believe revival hasn't taken place is because we're full of pride. We're full of pride. 
We say, oh, well, that thing that, you know, preacher's preaching about uh, holiness and he's preaching about knowing God and he's preaching about living righteously and godly. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm doing just all right. I'm doing okay. I'm doing enough to get by. Listen, the world is full of people doing enough to get by. We need a church that's filled with the Spirit of God, that has the power of God. Listen, I believe our church could be such full of the Spirit of God that when people drive by, they can sense His presence. When people pass by our church, they know there's something going on in this place. But I believe it's going to take some people to start out with humility in their life. We're going to have to have humility if we want to do it. it as he was going down through all of this, it said um, in verse number 3, again, when he said that uh, he also uh, himself showed alive and the passion and infallible being seen with them 40 days and speaking of them pertaining to the kingdom of God and is being assembled together with them. You see the assembly that they had together? It's important to be in church. It's important to be here. You heard the prayer request tonight. Pray that we get more people desiring to be in church. Why is it, man, Sunday morning it seems like churches are packed? Sunday night it slacks off a little bit more. Wednesday night you have a faithful few. Why is that? Because we don't think we need church. We're America. We don't need it. You know, you go to other countries, they'll walk miles and miles and miles and miles and miles to be at church. They'll sit under preaching for four hours at one time and beg you not to stop because then they got to walk 15 miles back home. And they're willing to go through rain and they're willing to go through mud and they're willing to sit without air conditioning. They're willing to do all of this stuff just to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just to hear somebody get up and say, thus saith the Lord and how much God loves them. And we in America have been given so much by God and we have just looked at God and basically spit in his face and said, you know what, God, I'm glad you saved us thank you for that but it's my life and I leave me alone and I'm going to live it the way I want to live it you say preacher that ain't what we do really then why aren't we here see it said they were assembled together that's God's command he said listen y'all got to be together because there's something he's, he's got these leaders right here that are assembled together he's talking to them and they're getting ready to tarry back to Jerusalem and get even a bigger assembly see here they've got this and they're getting ready to go back where there's 120 of them all gathering together for one common purpose. They were unified. See what it said? They all continued, verse 14, with one accord. They're not talking about in a Honda. Okay? They weren't in a Honda accord. They all were in unity together. Can you imagine a church that's unified? Listen, I'm glad for the spirit of our church. I'm glad that we have people that love one another. The testimony that people give when they come into our church, man, they felt welcome. They feel people really genuinely love them. But, you know, we have to be unified for the common cause of being filled with the Spirit of God. We have to be unified together. Unity, having that same mind in that same direction, having the same mindset on the things of God and letting this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus, as Philippians 2 talks about. 
See, when we look at Romans 12 and he says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that means we ought to be different than what the flesh wants us to be and walk in the Spirit and have the mind of Christ about everything that we do. And uh, I used to see that, uh, that bracelet everywhere and that thing said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And, you know, we used to, uh, some preachers used to preach on that and say that's a secular slogan and all this stuff. But the fact of the matter is we do need to find out what Jesus is going to do. What would he do if he were in my shoes? What would Jesus do in this aspect? What would the Holy Spirit want me to do in this area? And we need to be unified in that idea of being filled with the Spirit of God. He was telling them, listen, I'm about to pour out my Spirit, but there's something that you guys got to understand. If you're going to be Spirit-filled, you got to be humble and you got to be unified. you got to be unified. A church that's divided against itself will not stand. The Bible says a house divided against itself will not stand. If we have people in the church, all they care about is what color the pews are, what, how, much, uh, how much is given in the offering plate, all of those kind of things, rather than seeing souls saved and lives changed and people discipled and baptized and growing in the things of God, then we have our, our priorities all mixed up. The Bible, God's whole purpose of sending his son to die on the cross was to seek and to save that which is lost. You say, preacher, I feel like all we hear about is soul winning. All we hear about is soul winning. All we hear about is soul winning. Well, I'll tell you what, those, there's souls that need to be won. Not just in salvation, but in maturity spiritually. We've lost this area of discipleship. We've lost the burden for soul winning. We've lost the burden for doing all of that. And I believe a lot of the reason is we don't desire the filling of the Holy Spirit. We don't desire God's presence to be with us. Oh, yeah, we're saved. Yeah, we're just going through the motions. That's why Paul reminded Timothy when he was worried about Nero killing him. And he told him, he said, I, I want to remind you about that unfeigned faith. That was in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and is in thee also. He said, stir up the gift of God. That salvation that's inside of us, that presence of the Holy Spirit, stir it up inside of yourself. You've got to come to the place where you desire the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that's what they desired. They wanted the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know how I know that? They obeyed God. They obeyed what he told them. I believe they genuinely wanted what he was about to pour out on them. Because when he said, tarry in Jerusalem, guess what they did? They tarried in Jerusalem. And when they went to Jerusalem, they didn't just stand there and say, okay, God, here we are in Jerusalem. What you going to do for us now? We're here. Come on, Lord, we got other things to do. My friends want to talk to me on Facebook tonight. What you going to do for me, Lord? I'm here. No, they were preparing themselves. They were setting themselves up for being filled with the Spirit of God. They, they were a Spirit-filled people. In chapter number 2, when we get there, you'll find the, the presence upon Peter that, that God was just poured out to that nation and thousands of people got saved. And we'll talk about that next week, but that's because of what's taking place here in chapter 1. He's letting them understand that, listen, you have to desire the filling of the Holy Spirit. You have to obey what God tells you to do. You have to be obedient to Him. Power only comes from the Holy Spirit. You understand that? That's where we get our power from. It said, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
That didn't mean that the Holy Spirit was non-existent until Jesus left. What he meant was, I'm physically not going to be here, so my spirit is going to be upon you as I go. But you've got to have something straightened out inside of you if you want my power to be upon your life. Oh, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you all the time. But if you want my power in your ministry, there's some things you've got to do to prepare. And as they went down through, and he goes up in a cloud... They did what most of us would do. And then the angel said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing? This same Jesus that you saw was coming in like manner as you saw him leave. He's coming again. You've got work to do. He just told you he was leaving. You need to get to Jerusalem because he told you to go there and tarry there because he's about to do something that's beyond what you could ever imagine. But you've got to be obedient. And you got to do what he says. You know what? I believe God can still do that today. If God's people just be obedient. Just do, what he te- just do what he tells them. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. That was the first step. Guess what? They were humbled themselves. They were in unity together. It, 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 hum- it, has, it takes humility for a bunch of Baptists to be unified. Not just a bunch of Baptists. Christians to be unified. It takes a bunch of humility. Why? Because, well, we don't like the way they dress. We don't like the way they talk. We don't like the way they do this or the way they do that. We have to be unified and understand we're here for a bigger purpose. It doesn't matter whether I like your pink shirt or not. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are we unified in the idea of being filled with the Spirit of God? Do we have a desire to feel God's presence upon our life? And as they were Standing there gazing, he, the angels tell him, hey, you guys better get back where you're supposed to be. And they finally go back, and in verse 14, it says, these all continued in, with one accord. So they were unified, but it said this, in prayer. They were unified in this area of prayer. You know what? I think we have really lost what it means to pray what it means to pray. I love prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. I love that we come together and we pray. But I wonder, is the only time we ever call these names out on this list on Wednesday night? I wonder if the only time we really ever genuinely talk to the Lord is on Wednesday evenings. See, we have to be unified. If we want the power of God upon our church, we have to be a people of prayer. We have to be a people of prayer. You know what they were doing in their prayers? They were creating a cleansing inside of themselves. They were talking to the Lord, getting themselves right with Him. They were talking to to their Heavenly Father. They were in one accord in prayer and supplication. And it wasn't just the disciples. Look what it said. It said, with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with His brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. There's 120 people with the same mind praying. Same direction, same motivation, same desires, calling out to God. Praying, talking to Him. And you know what? It's going to take some prayer in our hearts and in our minds. We need to be a people of prayer. You know, I I get so frustrated. These people do these ritualistic prayers all the time. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. 
If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And listen, I understand if that's all somebody knows, fine. And I, there's people I know say, well, you better close your eyes when you're praying. You don't have to close your eyes every time you talk to God. You can talk to him driving down the road. You can talk to him uh, as you're in your car. You can talk to him uh, in your house. You can talk to him just as if he's your best friend. Because the Bible says he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. See, we just need to get back to this idea of praying again. I think it's, it's sad that we can talk to our Facebook friends all night long and we never run out of things to say. We can talk to our, our, our co-workers and we never run out of things to say. But we talk to God and we don't know what to say. We don't know what to even tell him because we think, like I even preached the other night, we have to think of these big intellectual words to impress God. We don't have to do that. We just need to be people of prayer. Praying with all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, the Bible says, let your requests be made known unto God. So in order for them to be spirit-filled, they had to be humble. They had to be unified and in prayer. It said in supplication with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. We have a lot of churches today that believe it's just come as you are, leave as you were, and God's okay with that just because you were here. No. You ought not to come as you are and leave as you were. You ought to come as you are but leave different than you were. Why? Because you got a hold of God at church. You got a hold of God coming together. You know, I hear oftentimes about prayer warriors, and this isn't every, in every occasion, but I do want to mention to the men here tonight about this. We need some men that are prayer warriors. Some of the best prayer warriors I know are ladies. And I'm not saying ladies can't get a hold of God because they can. My grandmother's one of the best prayer warriors that I know. I've heard her pray for things, that, and God just did it like I couldn't believe what, what he's done. And it seems like a lot of times the ladies are a lot more sensitive to the things of God. You know why? Because men are full of pride thinking, God, I can handle this. God, I got this. I don't need your help. I can handle it. We're fixers by nature. But we just need to be people of prayer. We need to be, have some men that are prayer warriors. Ladies, don't quit praying just because I say we need to have men that are prayer warriors. But we need to get back to this idea of prayer once again. Not just on Sunday mornings before uh, service starts. Not just on Wednesday nights. But an attitude and a mindset of prayer. Praying. Talking to God. The foundation for spiritual power was this. They had to obey God. Humble themselves. Be unified. Be people of prayer. You know what they were doing? They were cleansing themselves inside they were, they were praying. They were getting their lives right. You understand God's not going to fill us with his power for unclean vessels. We've got to get clean in the eyes of God. He said if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we pray and we start out in prayer, you know what we ought to do first? Confess up. Lord, here's what I've done. Forgive me of this, please. We ought to thank him for who he is. Praise him for all that he's done. You know what? If you just confessed our faults and thanked him for all he's done, we'd be down there praying for a long time. If you genuinely just thanked him for everything he's done in your life. 
And then we bring our petitions to him and talk to him about things. You know, we need to be people of prayer once again. But in order for chapter 2 to take place, they had to be ready. They had to be prepared. And as they were going down through, as we're going down through this passage, it said when Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120 men and brethren. The scriptures must need to have been fulfilled by the Holy Ghost, which the mouth of David spake. He said, listen, Judas betrayed God. We had one of our comrades fall by the wayside. Here, we got to get clean before God and understand we are flesh. Judas betrayed him. We have a, a hole, as you would see, in the, the armor, as you would say, in the force that's together trying to be unified for the cause of Christ. There's a hole here. And we need to have somebody that's going to make up the hedge. And they go down through and they ask the Lord to give them guidance in this area. And as they were going down through verse 24, it says, and they prayed. See what they did? They talked to God again. They prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. He said, there's two, Justice and Matthias. They're both, both, both here. Uh, we've got um, Joseph called Barabbas, whose surname was Justice, and we've got Matthias. Lord, we need one of them to step in to that role that Judas was in. Um, can you show us who it is? And there had to be somebody available, willing to do it, somebody willing to help in that area. They were unified, praying, but they needed somebody to step in the gap. I'm reminded when it said, I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap, but I found none. See, you understand the work of the Lord isn't built on one individual. If we have people that are saying, Lord, here am I, use me, it's not going to be hard to fill in the gaps in ministry. I don't like to ever see people go, but sometimes God moves people. Sometimes God takes them uh, to different places. And you know what we need to do? We need somebody to say, Lord, here am I. I'll fill in the gap. I'll be the one to make up the hedge. But you know what? Spirit-filled people are the ones that are going to be willing to do that. Somebody with a willing heart to serve the Lord. Somebody who's spirit-filled is going to be a person of prayer. They're going to be humble, unified. Guess what? They're going to be soul-conscious. Caring about souls. Why? Because that's what Christ cared about. He told them about, hey, ye shall be, you're going to be filled with power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be what? Witnesses of me. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth he said listen you need to be soul conscious you need to be steadfast in prayer you need to be appointing works for other people to do getting ready for what i'm about to do you know what god's not going to pour out a spirit on a church that don't want to do anything god's not going to pour out a spirit upon a church like that god's not going to pour out a spirit upon a church that doesn't want to be witnesses of him god's not going to pour out a spirit upon people that aren't people of prayer that aren't humble before the 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 mighty hand of god god's not going to pour it but a foundation for spiritual power is this if you're going to be spirit filled you got to be humble unified prayer warrior soul conscious ready to to be available for whatever god wants you to do just say lord here am i use me somebody like that is somebody who's a candidate for the filling of the holy spirit of god Peter was one of them. Lord, here we are. We're obeying you. We're being obedient. You know what I want for Faith Baptist Church? 
I want this to be a church that's filled with the Spirit of God. Not just one or two people. Listen, God could turn the world upside down with just one or two people that are filled with the Spirit of God. But here was 120 people that wanted the filling of the Holy Spirit. Imagine if everybody in this room tonight desired this same thing. If everybody in this room tonight desired to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, guess what it's going to take? It's going to take us getting rid of some of the junk in our life, cleaning ourselves up, humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God, understanding that life is more, about our con- uh, is, is more than just about our conveniences. Life is about being soul conscious and praying and talking to God. It's all about Him. That's what the li- our life ministry is about. We're here for a purpose, to be prayer warriors, to be humble, to be unified, pulling in the same direction, going in the same place for God, winning people to Christ, willing to jump in wherever God needs us to go and whatever He needs us to do. You know, I've had people that have said, Preacher, I don't, I don't want to get involved in bus ministry. I just don't do bus kids. I don't deal with bratty bus kids. That's what I've heard people say. I don't deal with them. And I said, hey, why don't you try it one time? And Brother Ron, they got on that bus, and they were on that bus for years because they fell in love with them kids. You know why? Because they just said, Lord, I'll do it. I don't want to, but I will. They humbled themselves, did what God said, and God said, hey, that's what I have for you. You know what he needs? He needs some people just to say, Lord, here am I. We have ministries that need help. Things like that. What he needs is people to just say, Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be used of you. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. Things that I'm not normally comfortable with, Lord, I'm going to step out of that. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm winning souls for you. I'm getting them in church. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you gave the gospel to somebody? I don't need you to answer it out loud. Just think about it. When's the last time that you genuinely with a desire to see somebody saved, gave the gospel to somebody. You understand, God will give the increase if we'll do that. I want to see souls saved. I want to see lives changed. But it's going to happen from a church that's spirit-filled, that's doing what God wants them to do. we got to be obedient, humble ourselves, be in one accord, unified in prayer, being witnesses of him and being willing to jump in and be involved. He told him, Terry in Jerusalem, because there's some preparation you need to make inside of you in order to be able to handle what I'm about to pour out on you. Listen, we're not capable of handling the filling of the Spirit of God if we're unclean. He can't fill something that's already filled with something else. We're filled with sin. Spirit can't fill us because we're already full of something. We've got to empty ourselves before he can fill us. We've got to empty ourselves of sin. We've got to empty ourselves of all the wicked things that are inside of us so that he can fill us with his power. And that's what these people were doing. They were getting ready to receive what God had for them. I believe God wants to do some great things, but it's going to take unity It's going to take humility. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take obedience. It's going to take soul-conscious people 
wanting to be part of the ministry. Listen, I understand there's not a lot that some people can do. Their physical limitations limit them to certain areas. But there's nobody here tonight that says there's nothing I can do. Because there's something that everybody can do tonight. You know what you can do? Prepare for the filling of God. Prepare for His filling. How do I do that? Be obedient to Him. Be in church. Be assembled together as He tells you to be. Be under the preaching of the Word of God. Daily read the Bible. Pray. Spend a relationship with Him. Humble yourselves. Clean yourself up. The Bible tells us to purify our hearts. We need to be in prayer in one accord. with The same mind. The same goals. Being witnesses of Him. And being willing just to be involved. Lord, here am I. Use me. With heads bowed and eyes closed.